Well, I hate to kill a good moment, but I kind of felt like David loved Jesus more than me right there because he was able to hold that note a lot longer than me. But I do love Jesus. And as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, and we ought to love Christ in a way that reflects his great love for us and how good it is to have each other as brothers and sisters as Christ. In Christ, as a church family, and not only each other is part of this local church, but it's so good to know that there are other believers in our community representing other churches and even other Christian organizations that come alongside the church that we can partner with, that we can work together with, that can help us know what living out the gospel in our community context looks like. And as you've seen, as you've heard, we have a number of community ministries that are represented here this morning to help us and to assist us to be salt and light in our community in a way that God's word desires for us and teaches us to be. For Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. For you were once darkness, that's all of us Christians, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live then as children of light. We are called to live as children of light. And to live as children of light means that we know the one who is the true light of the world. We know Jesus Christ. And our task then is to live out our lives in this community and beyond in a way that represents Christ and represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. For we, as children of light or as children of God, those who have gone from darkness into light, those who have gone from in sin to forgiven of sin, from, from darkness to rescued by the name and the person of Jesus Christ, those of us who have experienced that life and that transformation, that forgiveness of sins in and through Jesus, have been given that position as a position of responsibility. That something has been entrusted to us. It's not a position that's a burden. It's not a position that is a position of guilt or, or shame. But because of the transformation that we have experienced and the grace we have received, it is a joyous task then to live as salt and light in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in this community, in this city, and throughout the world. That's the task that we are called to as followers of Christ. In fact, God has called the recipients of His mercy to declare His greatness. That's the central truth that we'll see from God's word this morning, that God has called the recipients of his mercy, believers in Christ, those who have gone from darkness to light, Christians, Christ followers, God has called us to declare his greatness. And I think that truth becomes abundantly clear as we open up God's word to 1 Peter chapter 2. So let me encourage you, let me invite you to open God's word with me to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 as we read verses 9 and 10, 1 Peter being... Uh, the short letter right before Second Peter, if you can't find it. Uh, near the end of your Bible, First and Second Peter, First Second, that's supposed to be funny, y'all can laugh at it. First and Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, Jude, and Revelation. So First Peter chapter 2, let me invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 
But you, and this, obviously, that but you contrast. This signals a contrast with some other people. And just prior to this, Peter's been referencing unbelievers. But you, verse 9, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Father, we thank you for your word, and we invite you to speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit now. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, God has called the recipients of his mercy to declare his greatness. And to to declare the greatness of God or to declare the praises of God means to tell or to declare, to proclaim who God is and what he has done. For what he has done reflects who he is. In fact, we learn about who God is, his character, his identity, who he is, based upon what he has done. And he always acts in a way that is consistent with his character. We know God's word, we know that God is The one who rules, he's the one who reigns, he is the one who has all authority, the one who holds the world in his hands. He is the sovereign king, he's the creator, he's Lord, he's our master, he's our redeemer. In fact, a great number of things can be known about God simply through observing his creation. As his creatures, we can look at creation and creation speaks things of God. We can learn things of God's care, of his provision, of his protection, of his design. But not everything about God can be known from simply observing his creation. God has revealed himself through his creation, but in an even greater way, more specific way, God has revealed himself through his word. He has spoken, and we have His Word that speaks of God's call on our lives as His people. It speaks of His saving grace and mercy, and it speaks of His recreation of new life in and through Jesus Christ for us as His followers. God's relationship with His people that is described in His Word, a relationship in which we are a part of as His people, as His church, that relationship reveals what it is that we as his followers are to declare, what it is that we are to speak, what it is that we are to tell the world uh, about. So who is God and what has he done? What has he done for us? How has he interacted with us? What is his relationship with his people like? And that's what we're looking at this morning from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And the first thing that we see there is that God is cho- God's people are chosen by him. God's people are chosen by him, but you, verse 9, are a chosen people. This is descriptive of all believers. This was written by Peter to Christians who were scattered in various churches throughout Asia, Jews and Gentiles. And he says, but you are a chosen people. And here, unlike the choosing of Abraham and his descendants that is recounted in, in Genesis chapter 12 and following, this choosing of a people is not based upon an ethnic identity. It's not specific to certain physical descendants of someone. Rather, this choosing is of all who come to faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, all who know Jesus Christ, who all have put their faith in Christ, who have experienced the grace of God as displayed through Jesus Christ, are the true spiritual descendants of Abraham. That's what the Word of God teaches. Not tied to a particular 
ethnicity as it once was. In fact, we know from God's word that in the kingdom of God, there will be a great multitude that no one can count from, from every nation, from every tribe, from every people and every language gathered around the one who is the king and worshiping the king. We're not going to spend a lot of time this morning trying to understand or reflect on the relationship between a sovereign God who has chosen a people and a people who are responsible to choose that God. There is a tension in Scripture, throughout tension, of regarding these two truths that we cannot, as humans, grapple with, understand very, very well. But for us to ignore it or to offer a, a simple pithy explanation for it would be rather naive of us. But what we do know from Scripture, what we can learn from Scripture, is that because God has chosen a people to be His people, because He has initiated salvation, that none of us can take full responsibility or credit for our salvation. None of us have any room to boast about anything we have done because our salvation before God is not predicated on our knowledge. It's not predicated on uh, our merits or... Uh, our abilities, rather our salvation is predicated on God and His mercy and His grace that He has showered on us. God's people, we learn here, are chosen by Him, giving us privileged positions to serve Him. And secondly, we learn in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that God's people have purpose. God's people have purpose. And given these privileged positions, these positions of responsibility as people of God, as children of light. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like we have, we have purpose. But you, Christians, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. All believers, the Word of God says here, you're a priesthood, a royal priesthood, because you declare your allegiance to the King, Jesus Christ. Priesthood speaks of those who have access to God. Those who enter into the presence of of God. And this is the the text and the idea from which we as Baptists get the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. Not that that's a doctrine that's tied to Baptists, but something that Baptists hold very dear. The priesthood of all believers, they mean all Christians... All Christians, all followers of Jesus have access to God. We can approach God confidently. We can approach God frequently through the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that we have a loving Father who accepts us and welcomes us into His presence because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled for us. So as priests, we have access to God and we have a responsibility in ministry. Another function of the priest was ministry. Ministering on behalf of others. And we as people of faith, as people of God, are entrusted with the responsibility of ministering on behalf of one another. Interceding on each other's behalf. Lifting up prayers on each other's behalf before God. Not only lifting up prayers before God, but we've been entrusted with the ministry of the Word of God. Declaring and proclaiming the goodness of God as He has made Himself known through His Word. So, God's people are chosen by Him. God's people have purpose. And thirdly, we see here that God's people are set apart. So who are God's people? God's people are those that are set apart. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Thirdly, a holy nation. People of faith in Christ comprise a new spiritual nation. Declaring allegiance to the one true God, the the one King. Meaning that we are set apart apart. 
set apart by God to be his people. In other words, the church exists for God, the glory of God. God has set us apart as his people that we might declare his greatness, that we might declare his praises, that we might be the hands and feet of Christ in in this city and beyond for the glory of, of Jesus Christ. Church, God has called the recipients of his mercy to declare his greatness and And those that truly know him want to do so because we know that we are precious to him. The word of God says right here that God's people are precious to him. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. As his special possession, we are the recipients of his love. Like the one who defines love, loves all of us as his people with an unfailing love, a love that never fails for others who love us will let us down and we will let others down, but God's love never lets us down. His love never fails. We are his special possession, the objects of his, his special care. But I remember as a child, I remember my younger sister having a blanket that she just loved as, Many children do, and she wanted to go everywhere with that. She didn't want to sleep without it. She wanted to walk around, drag it around the house, and she didn't want to give it up. It was hers, and I remember my mom actually taking that from her when she didn't know it so that she could take it and wash it because, of course, it went everywhere. It would get filthy. Eventually, of course, it was taken away, but it was hers. It was valuable to her. It was special to her. In a far greater way, we as people of faith in Christ, as the people of God, as children of light, are special to God. We are valuable to God. God never lets us go. He has his hand upon us. God's people are precious to him. And we also see here that God's people have hope. God's people have hope. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Church, God has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Here and now that we might experience the hope that we have in in Christ. In fact, as believers, we tend to highlight this hope and talk a lot about this hope in Christ when we experience the loss of someone close to us. Death of a loved one. We like to speak in terms of the hope that we have in Christ, that we don't grieve as those who have no hope, and, and rightly so, for we have eternal hope in Jesus Christ. But this hope that we have is not just for some other day. It's also for now. We have hope as Christians, as Christians now and later. And unlike the now and later candy that you're familiar with, that tastes really good now but gets, gets stuck in your teeth for later, this now and later in and through Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. The best is later, but it doesn't discount the hope that we have right now. We as people of faith have hope in Christ now. We are children of light right now. Now, and just as God called his people and led his people, delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt, just as God led his people out of bondage in Babylon, God has led us as his people out of, out of ignorance to the truth and slavery in sin and opened our eyes to the magnitude of his love for us, freeing us from the bondage of sin. And we sing about that very truth when we say, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. God has opened our eyes to the truth that we as His people might experience and realize the depth of our sins, but experience the magnitude of God's love for us, the greatness of His love. God's, God has called the recipients of His mercy to declare His greatness throughout the world. And we as His people can declare God's greatness. We can declare His mercy because we as His people have certainly experienced His mercy. God's people have experienced abundant mercy. Back at verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Once you were not a people. Christians, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The reality is, according to God's word, that we who have gathered here this morning in the name of Christ to worship Christ have not always been the people of God. We have not always been followers of Jesus Christ. There was a day... Each of us individual, individually came to faith in Christ just like these that we witnessed being baptized this morning. We have not always been people of, of God. In fact, everyone in the world is, are the recipients of God's mercy at least on some level. For We all owe our life. We all owe our existence to Him. After we pause right now and take a deep breath, breathe in and breathe out, It's only by the grace of God that any of us have oxygen in here to breathe this morning. That He is the creator of life and the sustainer of our physical lives each and every day. But not all people have experienced the saving mercy of God in a way that we Christians have. But according to the word of God, the saving mercy, the abundant mercy of God that leads people to salvation and saves them from their sins is not something that everyone experiences past, present, and future. In fact, we know according to God's word that whoever believes in Christ, whosoever believes in Christ, shall not perish but have everlasting life. But this salvation has not, is not, and will not be applied to To every person, but we as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have experienced this abundant saving mercy. Have you experienced the saving mercy of God? Have you repented of sin and self centeredness and embraced Jesus as Lord and as Savior? Have you turned away from yourself and toward Jesus Christ? If not, men, women, boys, and Girls, let me urge you this morning to receive God's mercy today. Receive God's mercy. Receive His abundant mercy that has been offered to all of us. You can receive God's mercy today, not because I or anyone else here has power or authority to forgive you or to save you, but because Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago in your place and in my place that we might experience forgiveness of sins and new life in and through Jesus Christ. Church, friends, those gathered here, receive the mercy of God today that you might go from not God's people to being His people that you might 
become those who have received the saving, abundant mercy of God. And if and when you receive the mercy of God, then let's join together in declaring the mercy of God. Receive God's mercy, and finally, let's declare God's mercy. As people of faith in Christ, as recipients of the promises of God, let's join with other people of faith. Let's join with other followers of Jesus Christ, past, present, and future, that we might one day stand together and declare the greatness of God. Let's declare God's mercy. Let's spend our lives sharing and showing the love of Christ in this city and beyond, that there might be one day countless others in Birmingham and throughout the world that come to know Jesus Christ and join us around the throne of God. In the words of Revelation chapter 7, verse 10, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That all people of faith in Christ might come together and with the angels declare amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Church, we anticipate and we wait with great expectation for the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But until that day, as recipients of God's mercy, let's spend our lives declaring His greatness. Amen. Father, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for knowing us and making yourself known to us that we might know you and live for you. Father, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Christ that unites us together this morning in your name as your people. Father, would you lead us in all that we do to respond to you with obedience and faithfulness and service that we might spend our lives for your glory father thank you for your presence among us today thank you for the word of god that you have given to us father lead us now as we respond to you for you are worthy and it's in jesus name we pray and ask these things amen